So I don't know if you caught it in the news. I think it was last week, maybe in the week before that, up in Dallas. One homeless man uh, stabbed and killed another guy. It seems that the first guy caught the other homeless guy stealing some of his stuff. So he killed him. Well, I'll tell you, I have worked with the homeless. I have walked through homeless encampments. I have sat down in those little hovels they call home. And I got to tell you, there's not much there worth stealing. And so the, the idea that, that somebody would look at somebody else's little shack and say, I need that, I've got to have that, it just boggles the mind that there was anything there worth stealing. But there is something deep and dark within us that says, i got to have what they've got. We call it covetedness. And whether you're a, a Saudi prince or a homeless drifter, there is something within us that says, if they've got it, I've got to have that and more. What is it? that we always have to keep up with the Joneses, or now we call it keeping up with the Kardashians. Jesus was well aware of this situation. In fact, addressed the whole notion of stewardship of God's resources and covetedness and, and, and that concupiscence that, that darkens and destroys our hearts. He talked about this more than almost anything else and today, we're going to read in the Gospel of Luke uh, an encounter that he had and a parable that he told to his disciples that illustrates what's going on. I invite you to read along with me, Gospel according to Luke in the 12th chapter. I'm going to read it the 13th verse, and then we're going to skip down to the 32nd verse. But I invite you to listen now for the Word of God. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now skipping down to the 32nd verse. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that blessing. The blessing of your sacred word. May it find its home in our hearts. Lord, I pray that your spirit would rest upon us. That you would guide my thoughts. Remove from my lips any words but your own. And with faithfulness and with integrity, I might proclaim the wonderful good news of your redeeming love. Amen. Some of you maybe remember back in the day when Charles Schultz was still doing the, the Peanuts cartoon strips in the paper. I've got to tell you that Char- some of the best Christian theology could be found in those Charlie Brown cartoons. Charles Schultz was perhaps one of the best Christian apologists of his generation. There was one cartoon I remember that had Charlie Brown and Linus having this little conversation. They were sitting on a curb next to each other, and, and Charlie Brown looks over at Linus and says, what a great day we had. Are you happy, Linus? And Linus contemplates this for a moment and says, Charlie Brown, I believe I am just about one chocolate chip cookie away from being happy. And isn't that the truth? Don't we often find ourselves just about one chocolate chip cookie away from being happy? There always seems to be something more, something other, something we don't have, something that we're looking to fill that void in our life. If we just had this or that or this, then we'd be happy. Last month, doing some Christmas shopping, Stacy and I were in the Galleria up in Dallas, and we were in a store, and we were in the line waiting to pay, and, and there was a little ruckus over on the side. There was a mother trying to drag her four or five-year-old little son out of the store, I didn't get the whole conversation, but the gist of it was basically, he said, we can't leave, Ma. She said, why not? You haven't bought anything. Well, what do you want? I don't know, but buy me something. And it is so sad, but it is so indicative of how we live our lives. And I don't know if it's the, that inward, selfish covetedness or if that's the American marketing machine at work. I don't know what it is but we always feel like we need that. And if they've got it, we need that plus more. We're always looking to build the bigger and better barns. We've got to have stuff. I was helping my son clear out a storage locker. He's getting ready to move to Seattle. And we were uh, taking stuff out of the locker, loading it into the truck, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. You would be amazed how many people are coming and going in just an hour and a half. It was the happening place to be. People moving stuff in, people moving stuff out, people moving stuff from small lockers to bigger lockers. And it was like a party. This was a three-story, it was huge, giant U-store warehouse place in Dallas. I thought, "This this is crazy. And there was an advertisement. They are offering a new service for an extra fee per month. They will put a video camera in your locker so from the convenience of your home, you can look at your stuff. (laughs) You can't have your stuff with you. You can't touch it, but you can look at your stuff. And people are paying for that. 
Surely that is the equivalent of building bigger and bigger barns. In America, the average size of a house is larger than any other place in the world. And yet we've got so much stuff. We have to have storage lockers to keep it all, where we can go visit it from time to time. Jesus says that life is not about the abundance of our possessions. The one with the most toys does not win. Now, let's be clear. There is nothing wrong with living in a big, beautiful home. As long as the big, beautiful home does not become your reason for living. There is nothing wrong with driving a nice car. As long as that car doesn't become the purpose for your living. There is nothing wrong with wearing designer clothes or or eating at luxurious restaurants. As long as wearing those clothes and eating at those restaurants doesn't become the reason for your living. It is okay to enjoy the fruits of your labor. It is okay to enjoy the abundance of this world. As long as those things don't become the center of your life. As long as those things don't become the reason for your living. We often get this so confused. We think where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you spend your money on, what you invest your capital in, what you do with your stuff and how you accumulate it and the emotional attachments and the spiritual significance it has for your life. That's what Jesus is concerned about. Jesus is not against wealth. He's against wealth being the purpose of life. For Jesus, the purpose of life is always to glorify God and to build up the kingdom of God And we get that so confused. Fortunately, Jesus gives us the antidote. Jesus tells us there is a different way of living in this world. There's a different way of spending our lives. There is a different set of priorities and values in the kingdom of God. And he basically, he gives us a two-step recovery system. The first step is gratitude. There is no evidence anywhere that an abundance of stuff leads to happiness. There's no correlation. Some wealthy people are happy, some are not. Some very poor people are happy, and some are not. There is no connection between wealth and possessions and happiness. But... Time and time again, social scientists have shown that there is a connection between gratefulness and happiness. Happy people are almost always grateful people. They cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving. They are aware of the blessings in their life, and they give thanks for the ways that God has provided for them. The first step in the recovery from our stuff addiction is to cultivate that attitude of thanksgiving, the awareness of God's blessing. 
Now, some of you on Facebook remember last um, uh, November, there was like this season of gratitude, and everyone was supposed to post five things they're thankful for and then challenge someone else to post five things they're thankful for. Some people, their practice is just to, to make lists. I've got a friend who at the beginning of the year has a piece of paper, and it's 1 through 365, and every day just writes down one thing that they're thankful for that day. The key is, cannot repeat the same thing ever. So at the end of the year, you've got 365 things that you're thankful for, but just one a day, so it's, it's not stressful. Others, it may be as simple as, as you're laying your head on the pillow at night, that your last thought be, thank you, Lord, thank you for this day. Whatever works for you, you need to cultivate that spirit of thanksgiving, that, that, that sense of gratefulness for whatever you have, be it much or little, because happy people are grateful people. Faithful people are thankful people. That's the first step. The second step of the recovery system is becoming a generous giver. Because it's not about what we have, it's about what we give away. Whoever would save his life must lose it. A few years back, you probably remember there was this financial investment firm, and their whole thing, uh, their slogan was, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. Well, Jesus would say, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you give away. For every person, it's different. I can't tell you how much or what or when or how you should be giving away, but I do know this, you need to be giving, and you need to be giving generously. It always amazed me. The average American, churchgoer or not, of whatever religious faith or not, gives about 2% of their annual income to church, synagogue, charity. They give about 2% away. Christians give about 2.5% away. And I thought, it seems to me that the Christian community should be a lot higher in their standard of giving than the rest of the world. We've got to learn to give away and give generously. And that's what today is about. In a moment when you're invited forward to put your pledge card in the basket, and like I said, many of you have already turned them in, or, or some of you I know are pledging online, and that's great. But the whole reason we have a day like this is to provide you with an opportunity to step up to generous giving. It's not about the church. It's not about paying bills or making a budget. Friends, this church belongs to Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth. All of the resources of the world are available to Jesus. Jesus doesn't need your money. You, though, need to practice generosity. It's a spiritual discipline that leads to our, our personal growth and well-being. So we provide this opportunity for you to be a generous giver. My challenge to you, though, is to not just do the socially acceptable thing, to give a little bit, but to find a way in your life to become generous, to give over and above, to experience what it's like to really feel, feel the, the, the pleasure of God in your life because you have given away something of great worth. So in a minute... While you're coming forward for communion, 
I'll invite you to make that commitment to say, yes, I want to be a generous giver. I want to be one of those people who experiences that pleasure of God as I give my life away, then in return, I may receive eternal life. Friends, I want to end with, I've shared this with you before, but I think it is so spot on, the words of John Wesley. When John Wesley said, it is the duty of every person to work as hard as they can, to make as much money as they can, to spend as little money as they can, so as to give away all they can. Amen and amen. Friends, one of the ways that we experience the pleasure of God is when we gather at this table and celebrate together the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, a gift, a blessing from God 